Okay, so um, having said all of that, we like to start Thursdays with, uh, excuse me, Mondays. I know what day of the week it is. We like to start Mondays with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to give you the actual definition, and then whenever, whenever it's appropriate, we make great fun of it because often the jargon terms and the definitions are like crazy town, and there's just more jargon, right, that nobody could understand. But then. We like to give you the working definition so that you can start to learn what is this thing and what does it have to do with me and how can this help us and how can this save us time and money learning what this term is, right? So that's what we're about for Jargon of the Day. And you can already see over my shoulder, but I'm, I'm, I'm blocking some of it. It's automatic reinforcement. So let's take a look at what our actual definition of automatic reinforcement is. Automatic reinforcement refers to situations in which behavior is maintained by operant mechanisms mechanisms independent of the social environment. And let me just say, if that doesn't make you want to like stab your eye out with a rusty fork, then you probably are going to a college for psychology. <laughs> Right? Or you already have an advanced degree in psychology or you are an expert in psychology. Um, because I don't know about you and I'm still in, in the way of it. Uh, I'm like, oh, automatic reinforcement is a situation where behavior is maintained. Well, if you don't know what that means, right? When you're, you're dead in the water. By operant mechanisms, hello, what is that? Uh, independent of the social environment, now it's convoluted for me and I'm like, even if I know what operant mechanisms are, which you know what, like I've been an autism mom for 14 years and I could not come up with a, a definition for operant mechanisms. I'm sorry, um, I can't. I'm just saying. So this, this definition is largely useless to me. So let's move on to our working definition and let's see if we can't work backwards to see what this is. Uh, automatic reinforced behavior is behavior that happens because it feels good. Um, that there's a paycheck somewhere for the behavior and often that 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 paycheck is on the inside. That's really what I wanted to put on the slide. The, the paycheck is on the inside, but it would take more explanation. So, for instance, we talk all the time on the show about every behavior has a function, right? That we don't do things randomly. Um, that when we, especially when we do something over and over, it's because it has some sort of a paycheck. We call that reinforcement, right? And that there are four main thing categories of why behaviors happen. Some, you know, there are behaviors that people engage in because they want attention. We can all recognize that, right? The person, you know, who's always the life of the party, right? And they love that attention, right? But keep in mind that people, all people need a certain amount of attention and that's different levels. And if you're not getting attention, you will take any level of attention, even bad attention. You know how they say about there's no bad press? That's because even bad attention when you need attention is a good thing, right? So keep that in mind for that. But then, you know, sometimes we do something to get something or to be, to get near someone. Think about all the people in your life 
not necessarily on the spectrum, but including all the people on the spectrum who do things to get something. Do they do something to get a job? Do they do something to, you know, get a pair of shoes? Like we could, that's a whole other show that we could talk about, right? Or to get near someone. Think about the girl that you know that is absolutely girl crazy and crazy about the one guy and all the things that you've had. I, like I have one friend in college that what we would have to go through in an evening just so that she could be standing next to the person that she, oh my goodness, right? Okay. So, so there's that, but then there's escape. Sometimes we all do things to escape something. Let's not even talk about the things that I will do to escape having to, because it's tax time. It's time to start working on the taxes. And I will, I will clean the garage. <laughs> Just because I'm like, well, I couldn't do the taxes this weekend because I cleaned the garage, right? Uh, what will we do to escape someone or something that's aversive to us, right? That's all of us. But then there is another category. The fourth category is things that are automatically reinforced. And these are the things that we do because it feels good on the inside. We all do them. Everybody does. Now, there is this thing in the autism community where we talk about STIMS. Uh, and STIM is short for self-stimulatory behavior, but that's a misnomer. Because when we're talking about self-stimulatory behavior, we're usually, or a STIM, we're usually talking about automatically reinforced behavior. And the reason why it's a misnomer, it's misnamed, is because sometimes when you say it's self-stimulatory, you're assuming that they're doing it to be stimulated, and sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes they're doing it to calm themselves down. That's not a self-stimulatory behavior. But when people are talking about stims, we really are talking about automatic, automatically reinforced behavior. So I do this not because they're, I'm interacting with something in the environment, not because I want attention, not because I want to uh, escape something. I do this because on the inside, there's a paycheck for me. Now, it's not the same for all people. You know, we have uh, adults that are on the spectrum who can tell us, oh, you know, I do this because I like the colors that I see when my hands do this. And if you do that, try it. Uh, you do this and it makes colors because the, the fast movement, the fingers blur and you see colors. Other people um, say that they do it because it feels, it just feels good. It just, you know, there's a thing about it. Um, you know, just like some people, you know, click their fingers. There's a good feeling about it. Um, and other people have said that they do it because it calms them down. Other people have said that they do it because it helps me to focus, right? And I want to ask you, what are the things Things, and we're going to get to it in the question, so I'm not going to go there. But think about it. Um, a lot of times we just look at this behavior and go, it's odd, it's not functional. So no, it's functional. Because it is, if it's happening more than once, it's functional. It's just maybe not the function you want. And then we get into tricky territory, right? Because uh, let's, let's take a, a look at a pacifier. You know, the baby, um, you know, we feed a baby and we give them a bottle or you give them the breast, right? And they, they feed and that there is a function in that, that they get fed, they get nutrients, whatever, but, uh, it's also soothing. And so sometimes we give, it's very normal in our culture that we give a baby a pacifier and it's something that they suck on and that sucking motion is soothing to them, right? But if you think about it, 
it's not giving them any nutritive value. It's not helping them to achieve any other goal than it calms them, right? So sucking on a pacifier is an automatically reinforced behavior. The paycheck is in on the inside. It's not on in the environment. It's on the inside that it's happening. And at a certain point, people take the pacifier away, right? Um, and, and depending on the child and how attached they are to the pacifier, it can be a really horrible thing to take away the pacifier because it's the thing that soothes them. And, and here's the point that I want to make as a parent, as, as a part of this community, is that um, we have an understanding that we don't want this child to grow up and be an adult and walk around with a pacifier in their mouth, right? But we also have to have a realization that that child has feelings and that is their mode of soothing themselves. And so I think it's unconscionable if we take away a pacifier that is clearly soothing a child without giving them some other way of soothing themselves. And there are classes in how to teach a baby how to self-soothe, right? Um, you know, and with every single stim or automatically reinforced behavior that an individual does on the autism spectrum, I believe that we have to have a certain measure of respect. That that behavior is there for a reason, and it may not be something that is long-term gonna help this person in their life, but that means that we need to take whatever the function of that behavior is, and we need to give it something that is more um, relevant towards their life to help them to achieve their goals, just like we do with a pacifier. And I know that there are some people who go, no, I'm not taking a pacifier away from that baby. And there are people who send their kids off to kindergarten with pacifiers. Let's be honest, there are those folks. Generally, the school will work to take away the pacifier because they know that it's not gonna help the child because the child's gonna have to speak and you can't speak with the pacifier in your mouth. So eventually someone will take the pacifier away or the child will get frustrated enough with it and put it down if they have the ability to speak. On the autism spectrum, um, I, and I know self-advocates get very emotional about this and I can completely understand why. Because if I do this because it feels good and it helps me, why would you want to take it away from me? And I gotta be honest, I think that really the best ABA professionals, I don't think they're good at communicating this, but I think that their, their point is, you can do this, we just want you to be able to choose when you do it. And when you are in a position where you're not choosing to do it, we wanna teach you what to do so that you still get the soothing without having to do this. Because if you're um, at the DMV and you're taking a driving test to drive a car because you want to drive a car and something happens that's anxiety uh, uh, inducing and you start doing this, you are going to fail that driving test, right? It doesn't mean you can't do it at home when you guys are playing a game around the table and you get excited about something or you get nervous about, I don't know the answer to it, you absolutely can do it. Um, there's nothing wrong with it, but if it's getting in the way of things that you would want to achieve, let's give you the function of that behavior so you're still getting the soothing, you're still getting the paycheck or the stimulation that you need, and you can still choose to this. Temple Grandin, this example I always use, she used to love to spin a metal plate at the foot of her bed. And she wanted to do it endlessly. That's all she wanted to do. 
And her mother said to her, here's the deal. You can do that an hour a day, but the rest of the time you got to be out mucking the stalls. Now for Temple, that was enough. Knowing that that hour that she could do it and nobody would take it away from her was enough for that. She went on to build a cow squisher that also, you know, squished her, but she knew that she couldn't take the cow squisher with her to her physics class. You see what I'm saying? She could compartmentalize it. Not everybody can. Um, but it's important that we don't just poo-poo these behaviors. They're there for a reason. And whenever we're trying to do an intervention because we're like, mm, that behavior is getting in the way of you talking to somebody because you got a pacifier, um, or, you know, writing, it's very hard to write an essay if this is what you're doing. So when we see that, ah, that behavior is getting in the way of the next step in your progress, we need to be mindful of, we still have to fulfill the need for it before we can be successful. We can't just say, don't do it. That's not, it's not appropriate, it's not kind. Uh, it's not effective either. If you say to somebody, we'll just stop doing it, that's not going to work. So good BCBAs will put a replacement behavior in and teach a replacement behavior. That's what they do.